Hey, this is actress Carissa Lee Staples, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast. Welcome to the O Brother Podcast with hosts Dan and Mike Smith, brothers from the same mother with different opinions on movies, TV, video games, and more, plus celebrity interviews. Get ready, get set, it's time for the O Brother Podcast. Brother Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Smith. Alongside me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. This really feels like we just did this. It does, indeed. Yeah. Like what? Two and three days? Mm-hmm. But this is... This is... Special episode. This is a special episode, yeah. This is the one that I've been uh, itching to get to. For... I'm all nervous that I'm going to screw it up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. you actually got the nerves on this one. First time, I probably because you feel an obligation to me. That's what it is. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Because everyone else I've gone on or we've interviewed, I didn't have any problem. Yeah, August first, when you're uh, getting this episode of the O Brother Podcast, and we have a very, very special guest uh, on this uh, this episode, and uh, be joining us here in just uh, a few minutes. I needed him on my last. Well, I actually wasn't in on the show. I was just in the chat. Hmm. I got beat up by well, like maybe, everybody. Maybe, maybe you can bring that up when we introduce this. Yeah. this person. So I look. We've done a handful of interviews on the show. I've been lucky to to, to land every single one, but th- this was another one where I just sort of like, zzz, right, zzz, you know, and see if uh, uh, you know I could I could get him on the hook, and uh, much to my my pleasure, the poor uh, bastard said yes. He he accepted. <laughs> yeah, clearly had nothing else to do on uh, on this night, but and it's uh, we we're dealing with a time difference here too, so. This is uh, not too bad. It's just not, an hour. Yeah, not like it's the West Coast. So that's what it feels like. Right. Usually when we're actually, uh, yeah, usually when we're this late, it feels like we're talking to somebody from California. Yeah, and we were saying how when we do these, you know, we were talking about this, I think, yesterday, how you can see them come into, you know, what we call the green room or the waiting room. Right. And that's always kind of wild because it's like, oh. There they are. I'm looking at this list of questions we got. I don't even know if we'll get to all of this. No, we won't. He'll be like, okay, guys, uh, I've got, I can spare 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. In fact, because now let's face it, he's chewed into 10 minutes of our time. Let's be honest. That's, that's true. You know, he owes us an extra 10 10 minutes. We're never going to get back. I suspect (laughs) (laughs) 10, 10 minutes of of flipping channels or something. This is when they like on the Larry Sanders show, you know, are you how much time we got stretch? Yeah. 45 seconds. (laughs) It really seems like more. Hank, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that song about your dad. You've always wanted to do, do you? Artie, you know, about 25 seconds. No, Hank's always like, do you want me to do the soft shoe? You want, you know? Yeah. Well, the, in this particular episode, he was not much up for, I think it was when his dad died. Oh, okay. That's why. Because normally Hank's like, 
I'll take it. And remember, I'm, it's remember it's the one where, uh, and for those of you that have, I mean, God, I hope you've seen the Larry Sanders show. It's on HBO Max if you want to get it. Uh, a, a genius Gary Shandling production. But uh, this is the one where they're trying, they got too many guests and they don't want to bump anybody because they got Rob Lowe. He's got a supermodel Vendela that's on. He's not going to bump her, of course. Right. And then he's got Jeff Cesario, who he can't bump because he's bumped him like 12 times. And he brings him out really quick. It's like two questions. Like, okay. Well, so... that's a different episode where they kind oh, of, is it? but it's similar uh, though. He is kind of, okay. He's cutting him off. Right. You know, it's like a David Duchovny is another one. Right. And he does the old, uh, what, what's that already? Oh, we lost the clip. We lost the clip folks. I don't know what happened. And then right. they, they cut the company. He's like, what is this? You lost the clip bullshit. Don't give me that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. But Hank, comes into the office early in the episode and says, um, Hey guys, you remember when, uh, you know, you said you'd give me some airtime when my dad died and he's like, yeah, Oh, that's right. Today's the day. Tonight's the night. He said, right. <laughs> and then he's like, so how much time you need? I need about four minutes, uh, 60 you know, seconds, two minutes. I-, I can do it in two. And then you hear Larry goes, okay, give him a, give him a, a minute and a half. <laughs> They keep chopping it down on Hank as the episode. Didn't it goes wind up on. like thirty seconds, and they cut it? Well, it's because Hank, when it gets to it, he comes clean and he's like, "You know what? I didn't even really know this guy, um, so I don't want to right. do this." And then he just shuts up, and that's when Larry is like um, trying to fill two and a half minutes. So it's like, Artie, uh, how much time? Uh, about forty-five seconds. Yeah, it's just brilliant. So you didn't know your dad? Um, hmm. That's good. And he starts yeah. off. Remember when he's uh, Phil, one of the writers, is trying to come up with like a eulogy for the air. And he's, right. he's practicing it with Hank. And he says, OK, uh, my father wasn't a famous man. Uh, he wasn't a well-known man. And then you hear Hank going, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> come on, Phil. He's like, well, yeah. I didn't really know anything about your dad, Hank. I mean, yeah, what it would help if I had something. Yeah. Right, right. And then uh, Brian, that was his, became his assistant, was like, well, w- you know, did you go to ball games together? Were there any special films that you went to see together? And you could see Hank getting annoyed. He's like, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know any of that. Just come up with something because he didn't have a relationship with him. Right. I think he I, left him when he was like four years old or something. Yeah, he was never that would have been a good character to add. They could have, you know, like they had his, his agent. Yeah. No, you remember Hank's agent, the old guy? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that they could have made a father figure for Hank. It was like that Sally would have been somebody who was totally disgusted Morty. with them, hated yeah. entertainment. That would have been a funny character. <laughs> if they wanted to add that it's just i mean i watch it i still watch it constantly i know every single line uh, i'm gonna t- I, I was gonna tell you i'm watching something new now at night mm-hmm. not a comedy you know. series um no you know like i usually watch the simpsons every night mm-hmm. to to kind of get me it's your white noise yeah right and, uh, you know, I set the timer and I kind of go off to an episode of The Simpsons. Well, and, and how long have I been doing that? I go off. Oh, 
years, a long time, years, yeah. almost like back to the start of the season uh, seven. Maybe. You know, I was living in Orlando when I started it. So, yeah. So lately, I've been doing a new show mm-hmm. to kind of fall asleep to, but I'm not going to talk about it until. Um, oh, you want to do... bring it up with the guest? No, I want to talk about it when we do the. Oh, our next episode. Yeah. Okay. When we're going to talk about childhood stuff. Got it. Yeah. Because okay. it's a show from back then. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And and I guess we have to, to be true to that. Again, we're going to, we've got an episode coming up where we're going to talk about it. It's really sort of a, a, a listener request uh, that, you know, favored childhood TV shows and actors and actresses from, from the, when we grew up, that was also, was what, it? Oh. Yeah. He asked that as well. And games too, right? Yeah, and specifically games that you wanted but didn't get, that you thought about buying later as an adult. That's a great question. Yeah, so tough. But I, I can think of I can think of a few. It's tough with me though. I was so spoiled rotten. You were because I you mean, had you had me, and I had money. Yeah, you always immediately like to come in and take full credit for that. Well, now. Okay, always, see, this is the moment. This is the moment where the man himself is in the green room. We're not going to waste any time at all. Going to bring him in. I was just about to hit and kill with that I, story. I hope I don't get a copyright strike for saying this, but I'm going to introduce him. This guy's a legend. I can't believe he agreed to be on the podcast. So it's our good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, guys. Hey, Jimmy. Wow. Wow, a legend. I Jimmy. Like say that I would have combed my hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Mike Speaking is constantly dealing with the hair snafus. Yeah. He's my uh, hair is wait, look how long. I mean, it's about to take he, over the show. Oh, it looks great, man. <laughs> so we were we were we were chatting before you we brought you in, and we were yeah. just kind of riffing on some stuff, and and then I got your email, and we were trying not to give away who the guest was yet, and it was I said, well, he's actually working the other gig right now. <laughs> I said, like Jimmy, do you ever sleep? Like when is downtime for you? Is there such a thing? Oh, when I was younger, I did not sleep. <laughs> I really didn't. I I think back to some of my schedules and I'm just in shock of how I am still alive today. I, I don't know. It, yeah. Yeah. I, but I'm now, now I'm much better about it now than I was like maybe. when you, you just did the other show and I was saying to Dan, when we do a show and we get like an hour and we're, I'm done, <laughs> you know, yeah. I got nothing more to say. Oh, so, yeah. We'll we'll try to go easy. Well, I have a lot to say. I you know I'm looking forward to. So you guys are brothers. Yeah, we're brothers. So yeah, I, we're, I mean, this is what I like about it because I have a brother that I grew up with, and we were super tight growing up. We're still super tight today, and we shared like all the nerdy stuff, like Star Wars and all of that. And so it was better having a brother, in my opinion. And you're oh, the, you're the older brother as well, right, Jimmy? I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people yeah. think Billy is because he's far more mature than I am. <laughs> but uh, no, I am. Is it I, just you two? We have a Do you sister. Have any other? Yeah, we have a sister. Okay, so you have this. We have a sister, and we have an older brother, but he doesn't kind of figure in, <laughs> in the plans at all. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Mike. Uh, Jimmy, I got to ask you about this. I don't know if there's like a 12-step program for this or what, but our oldest brother, I, th- I couldn't think of anybody better to process this with than you, but mm-hmm. I had all, because I'm an OT fan too. Mike and I grew up, you know, in the 70s and and uh, Mike's, you know, more of a little bit of a late 60s baby too. But um, I had the original Kenner action figures from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I, when I moved to Florida, when I graduated high school years ago, I left all of them back at the house and my mother subsequently gave them to my older brother's kids Ooh. and I never saw them again. Oh, so they're like in a landfill somewhere. I don't oh, know what happened to them. I don't have the, I had the, the Vader helmet case and all of that. So it, it still haunts me to this day. I mean, uh, you know, and there's no way with our older brother, you can even broach that subject. No, oh, you just can't bring it up to him. It's gone. No, no. it's just gone. Yeah. Kiss it goodbye. <laughs> so I've struggled with like, do I invest in the the the, the vintage line of the Kenner? Act? You know, I don't. It's not the same thing. It's nah, just go the get them. Just go get them. Um, you find them all over the place: flea markets, comic conventions, classified ads. Just collect. Yeah. Well, collect them because they're not as expensive as you would think. And, um, I mean, some of them can be obviously, but a lot of people just are dumping collections and there's so much out there that you can probably put together a decent vintage collection for cheap. Yeah, that's true. And, and you would say three and three quarter inch. There's nothing else. Oh yeah. 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 That's just me. That's just me. I mean, there's so much star Wars to collect. I just can't flip a switch and collect these larger figures that, Oh, I have one larger one here though. And I always keep him close by. He's my, my oh, <laughs> that's baby. Yoda. I gotta keep baby Yoda close by sweet, new sweet school. baby Yoda. But like, here's um, a three and three quarter inch um, Ahsoka. Rosario yes. In Ahsoka. You just featured that on the show. Yeah. Rebel force radio, of course. Um, you know, the one that was amazing that Reva, cause we we're going to ask you about this later in the, in the conversation, but yes, the likeness is insane. <laughs> Mike, look at this likeness here. They're way better Can I, than the old. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. I mean, look at that. <laughs> that's that's great. That's scary that is phenomenal. a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's scary. It's hard for me to tell. So yeah. what do you, Jimmy, what is it? 15 plus years now you're on with, with rebel force radio and, yeah. and Jason. Well, first we were the force cast and that's, that's a right. show that Jason, Jason devised with his buddy, Pete Nadel. Yeah. Uh, the force.net, which of course is one of the oldest, uh, most reputable star Wars news websites, the force.net. It's where I used to go to get, prequel rumors and things you know or or get news on the uh, star wars special editions that were coming out so they've been around for a while and jason hooked up with them and i heard him on the podcast with his buddy pete after they'd been doing it for about four months and thought it would be really cool to get involved i wanted to know people in star wars and it seemed like the way people were doing it back then was they would um, build websites or 
forums, things like that. Right. Forums were mm-hmm. big. And I, you know, that's fine. And I, I would lurk in those corners, but never really felt any need to participate in any Star Wars community until podcasting happened. And I knew I could do podcasting because I have been my whole life. I've been working in radio. So on, on the studio end of things. And so when podcasting came along, I said, well, I can do this. And so it just seemed like a natural fit with star Wars. And when I heard there was, there were people out there who approached star Wars in a way similar to how I did, which is to have fun with it. I mean, you know, we, we take it seriously and everything, but we just like to have fun with star Wars and uh, I, I heard Jason and Pete, and I'm like, oh, these guys got good chemistry. Mm. And I, I could tell what they were trying to do. And I'm like, I can help them <laughs> where they want to go. And so I just started doing that with those guys. And that took off uh, for a while. I did some like spinoff podcast for them. And it would occasionally appear on the main show, which was called The Forcecast. And that's a title that Jason Swank came up with. And then that went on for a little while. And then Pete got married and Mm. left to start a family. And I just stepped into the co-host chair. And it's been me and Jason since then. That was 2008. We stayed with the force cast. And then the Disney sale went down. Right. Star Wars was sold. And so that was like look in the mirror moments like, you know, this is now we're really at the launching pad here for something entirely new. Do we want to continue with this website as volunteers or do we want to take, take it and go out on our own, you know, sort of like Luke leaving the farm. You know, we, we stared at the twin sun setting and walked away from that saying, Hey, let's, let's start our own thing. So that's how rebel force radio was birthed. Hmm. And uh, it was just a desire for independence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started RFR, and it's just been since uh, January 2013. So we're coming up on 16 years of Star Wars podcast. It's hard to believe. I, That's amazing. I, I don't remember podcasts 16 years ago. I don't know why. It just wasn't my thing, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. I was in the forums with video games a lot. Mm-hmm. And that kind of world, which is another nerdy world. And, um, and it's interesting you bring up, you brought up Disney. Cause that was one of the questions I had was, did Lucas make a mistake by selling to Disney? <laughs> you know, what do you think about that? Well, I think that's something that George himself struggles with from time to time. <laughs> yeah, I think, so. I think George wanted to have his cake and eat it too. And he was running into a situation where, Technology was proceeding along and potential was there to do things, but they weren't quite there yet. And so he wanted his own independence. So he wanted to foot the bill and figure out a way to distribute a live action Star Wars TV show. He was going to build a studio in Marin County, not far from Skywalker Ranch. And there's all kind of opposition from the people in that area, that area is beautiful area and, Mm -hmm. and um, environmental needs and um, 
priorities are very important to the people who live out there. And so they want to keep traffic down, They all, all of this stuff. So they kept blocking all of George's efforts to build the studio. And so I think he just got fed up with it. And he got married. And you know what happens, guys? Oh, we know what happens. <laughs> a lot of times your wife makes you get rid of all your cool stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what I think happened with George. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she may have influenced him to sell Star Wars. And it was becoming a burden for him to try to negotiate independence into the future and still hold on to the property. Right. So he thought he could cash out with Star Wars and he was just going to sell it. Here's the IP um, and everything that goes with it. But he wanted money that he saw Pixar get from Disney. Right. Now, Pixar started as a division of Lucasfilm. Um, and then it, it branched off into its own thing with Steve Jobs. Steve and Jobs, yeah. But it it started as a part of Lucasfilm. And um, so George was intimately involved in all things going on with Pixar. And when it sold, this was after it had become its own company. And then it was sold to Disney. And they got top dollar, like $7 billion or something. Yeah. $7.5 billion. And George looked at that and said, well, if Pixar is worth that, then I want $7.5 billion. And Bob Iger pushed back and said, no, you've got nothing in the pipeline. Pixar comes at us, and they have all of these animated features currently in development or right. production. Star right. Wars has got nothing except for Clone Wars and Detours. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, Detours hadn't even aired yet. So that's when George devised the idea of getting seven, eight, nine rolling so he brings a bunch of people in the skywalker ranch hires kathleen kennedy to be Mm -hmm. president of the company and then believes that he has all of the pieces in place so he can sell it to disney and still retain creative control because kathleen kennedy will make sure that happens for him and bob Iger, you know um bob Iger got heavily involved in star wars right did not like what the the story that they were developing and everything and made it hard for Lucas then to work on star Wars. And they, they kind of, they kind of ghosted George from what I understand. Hmm. And um, they just sent him a script without talking to him. They were having meetings with him and then the meeting stopped. And then all of a sudden a script showed up at his place with a post-it note on it that said, George, what do you think? And that made George upset. Um, and that's why he felt like they weren't working with him or in the best interest of Star Wars. So he just said, all right, well, you're on your own. I'm not going to consult you guys anymore. He was under the assumption that he was going to consult them and uh, have his fingerprints all over the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Like I say, he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. So he yeah. wanted a big fat payday and he also wanted to maintain creative control. And Disney, they were like, we're not going to pay you four and a half billion dollars. Right. And continue to run it 
if we're going to pay that kind of money, we, we are taking over. And they just weren't straight up with George about that. So, you know, a very long answer to your question, was it a good idea for George? <laughs> well, um, there was a lot of, I think, um, karma at work here. And I think mm-hmm. that George suddenly devising the sequel trilogy and getting that into motion really only to get top dollar from Disney. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of bit him in the butt a little bit, you know, that's bad karma. And then once George, I think started working on the sequel trilogy, those juices started flowing again and he was committing himself to it more and more. Right. All of a sudden the rug was pulled out from underneath him and the message was sent that, Hey, we don't need your collaboration here. Right. that upset him yet he's still you know like when they open galaxy's edge he shows up for that and you know a few other things so you know i i I remember seeing him on the set of uh solo but the (laughs) other ones i don't think he was involved with no much no solo because of ron howard ron Ron howard and him have a really that's like you know you brought up pixar and originally that's when Eisner was in at Disney and didn't he almost blow that deal? Like, I mean, at one point I think Steve jobs walked away and then Iger came in to smooth mm. things over. So it's, it's kind of funny how the two deals went down. You know, it's a, yeah. Yeah. it's a great history lesson. And I, I'm curious, and, and I should say in full disclosure, um, I, I found you guys in 2017, it's going on five years now, Patreon supporter. Um, I originally stumbled on the force cast, but then found you guys quickly thereafter. I consume the show constantly. Um, I think you guys are, uh, the template for how it's done. Um, may or may not have. Um, lifted a few ideas from from the Rebel Force Radio podcast, <laughs> but uh, but I'm curious. You know, obviously, with your broadcasting background, take can you take us back a little further than that? How did that even? Did you go to school for that? Like, what was the origin there? Yeah, um, I always liked radio, um, and I like music. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's kind of a lot of where that came from. I, mean, I didn't want to like a real job ever <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Never wanted to. I, I always prioritized things that it, I was interested in, and it was maybe I was just a little adrift um, in early college years. But I I met a guy. I was working at um, a store in a mall. It was called Ingenuities. And it was like this ninth-rate hammocker schlemmer. Like it was filled with all the crap that hammocker schlemmer rejected. Okay, it was just like it was. I, am I? Can I say? Uh, can I swear? Sure, sure. It was a shit show. <laughs> um, so I, I was working there, and this guy told me about a school in downtown Chicago called Columbia college, Chicago. 
and it wasn't really that well known of a school yet at that time, but it was well known in broadcast industry and it was shaping a lot of um, people who ended up locally in Chicago on the radio or on TV news or what have you. And so I'm like, well, this, this place sounds pretty cool. So I, I took the train, I went into the city and I liked it. It was just something kind of calling out to me about this place. At the time I was, I am skipping a big portion of my educational (laughs) career when I was in um, at the university of Kansas and I didn't graduate from there, but that's how I got into radio was there at KJHK. Is that like the school station? Yeah. And they had a good program there. And it was really a lot of fun. And that's really when I started doing radio. And I had designs on going to journalism school at University of Kansas. But there were all these prerequisites, these these pesty prerequisites. Yeah. I didn't enjoy at all. So I drifted. in that summer, when I was working at the shit show, and... <laughs> and um, and I met this guy and he told me about Columbia College. I checked it out and took a summer course there on radio production. And it was like the first time in my life I sat down to do something for the first time. And I felt like, oh, my God, I I know how to do this. I can do this. This, mm-hmm. is, this is perfect. You know, I, I just like knew how to do it. Like there was some natural instinct when I was I was physically cutting tape of real to real, you know, and splicing it and 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 mixing beats and stuff and it was all analog with uh reel to reel tape i mm-hmm. i actually still have a reel to reel machine wow in the studio um which i got from wls when they were throwing away all their analog gear um and it's come in handy a few times too because I have a crawl space filled with reel to reel my wife is also in the industry and that's just how we we save things back in the day. This is before digital. Digital is awesome. I love digital. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but so I knew how to do it. And so I pursued radio then, and I took more courses at Columbia college, which got me an internship Mm -hmm. at loop FM 97, nine in Chicago, which was the radio station. You know, it was like, that was the place they had all the top personalities in town were there and I just fit in there and ended up working with some really big names in radio over the years. Um, where are you guys, you guys are out East, right? Yeah. I'm in Orlando. He's in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But I've been in California for a while. Yeah. So I, I worked in California. I worked in LA radio a little bit with uh, the Jonathan Brammeyer show. Mm-hmm. That oh, was yeah. a Chicago show. Um, and uh, he was really big in the nineties, eighties and nineties and stuff. And so I worked with, I still work with him. I, I still work with him um, on his archives and podcasts and things like that. Um, and maybe radio in the future, who knows, maybe we'll do something. I don't know. Um, but like, he's just a guy I've been with for 30 years, work with him, work with these two guys, uh, Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer. Steve Dahl is the guy who's most famous for disco demolition at the White Sox game. He blew up all the disco records in the seventies. Oh, right. Yeah. 
that's that's his claim to fame and God, I remember that i'm, I'm kind of tight with a few of the uh <laughs> the crazy guys behind that day <laughs> and um uh danny bonaducci of course i worked mm-hmm. with for a number of years danny partridge um is he still doing radio yeah he is he's in seattle and he's running to some some mysterious health issues health issues yeah, yeah. really affected his mobility and his speech i haven't reached out to him when i heard all of this stuff i hmm. probably the last time i i talked to him was about a year ago when his mom died um but danny's a great guy but i mean you know he he did i, I mean this mystery illness i don't know i don't know what's going on with that and i'm not qualified to say anything about it but hmm. i saw danny do things that <laughs> were just inhuman you know i killed him Oh my God! So many times over. Oh God, the consumption. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I I've never seen anybody drink vodka like the way that guy can drink vodka. And uh, man, we were watching his show. This is after he moved, and and my wife knew him, uh, and uh, my wife Wendy, and she also knew his wife Gretchen. Okay. And um, we're watching this show. Uh, it was uh, with Danny. It was called like Breaking Bonaducci or something. Yes, it that's it. I remember that. And I, I was watching. I'm like, you know, I said to Wendy, like during a commercial break, I'm like, I'm, Danny's putting on an act for the cameras. I mean, he's he. This is an act. And he, she says, Yeah, Danny might be putting on an act, but Gretchen ain't acting. <laughs> this is, <laughs> and sure enough, um they ended up separating and stuff. So, but that was a whole nightmare too, you know? Um, so I think a lot of that stuff may have caught up to him. Yeah. Cause he did. He, he, he did seem to get into a good situation and then would just kind of light himself on fire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, he never actually lit himself on fire. <laughs> no. no, that was no. Richard Pryor. Or was Richard Pryor. <laughs> oh, Richard Pryor was crazy, but, but I love Danny Bonaducci. He's a great guy. And I really don't, you know, I'm not qualified to say anything about anything except uh, the, just comment on the great times we used to have in Chicago. And um, also in the mix though, he wasn't in Chicago uh, was Howard Stern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He brought Howard Stern to Chicago and that yeah. was, that, those were crazy, crazy times and wild. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've been blessed to work with all kind of great personalities throughout the years. And then other people, too, who would like guest co-host shows, you know, guys like Penn Gillette and right. Joe Walsh from the Eagles. That's great. Tell me about uh, it's funny you're bringing this up because I was I was looking at this is, you know, Mike and I originally were doing like exclusive movie review type shows and you had, did you work with Siskel and Ebert at one point? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. I did. I worked with um, both those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hosted a few weeks of shows at the Loop back in the 90s. And uh, I sat next to Roger at the Empire Strikes Back special edition mm-hmm. at the media night for that. And wow. I sat next to him. He fell asleep. <laughs> He was like yeah. leaning, he was leaning on my on my shoulder. I said, I'm like, Wendy, Wendy Ebert is sleeping. And then there was this loud explosion, like in the asteroid belt. And that jumped him up. Oh, he did that thing where you rub the hand across the face. <laughs> and you're like, what? what? 
And then so he went up and he got himself some popcorn and a Coke and settled in and watched the rest of the movie and then did not give it a very favorable review. He said Chewbacca was annoying in the thing. He's like, hmm. you can't remember Chewie being so annoying. I'm like, hmm. Chewie annoying and Empire Strikes Back. How dare you, sir? But I liked Roger. I did. I liked him. Um, and I liked, I liked Gene too. I, I, those guys were fun to work with and they were, they were, there was no BS with those guys. There was no BS with those two. So I liked them and I liked Roger a lot. Um, when he, uh, got that cancer. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really laid into Kyle new Kyle Newman's film fanboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and we were loosely involved in the behind the scenes of all that, just out of our friendship with Kyle Newman. And uh, that movie went through all kind of controversial changes and stuff like that. And Harvey Weinstein, and he became Darth Weinstein during that process hmm. uh, because of the way that he was um, exerting all of this studio control over fanboys and they were turning it into something. It really w- wasn't Kyle finally won back a lot of creative control over that with compromise, but mm-hmm. it was a messy process and it delayed the release of the film forever. So by the time it was finally coming out, we're like, Oh, this is a victory, you know? Right. And um, just happy and proud for Kyle and, and Ernie Klein, the guy who went on to write ready player one. Mm-hmm. We forged all these friendships with these guys and and really tried to raise awareness and, and fanboys and stuff. And then when it came out, Ebert just crapped all over it, man. He just just really crapped on it. So I wrote this whole scathing thing to Roger. Mm. It was pretty rough. And I didn't realize that Roger had cancer and that he, his jaw was removed. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right. I just didn't really. I mean, he was just kind of coming back at that time. And I right, like, right. And I found out about it and I felt guilty about it, but he was like, Hey, you know, th- this is what he, he, he's, he lives for this shit. You know, yeah. this is what he wants, right. He wants his reviews to get people fired up. He was open to debate. He was really a mastermind at all of that stuff. And, and, and a really smart, sharp guy who knew movies, man, he would, yeah. Uh, he would host those those two week long things. Uh, I think it can every yeah. year, and I mean it was just like the most it, hardcore. Yeah, he'd go through literally film, you know, like strip by strip, you know. Yeah, I remember I mean, he did it with Dark City, and mm. it just every every piece of film he would analyze. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Did you That's reach back point. out to him after that or? Yeah. Yeah. He, he published the piece. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So I, I got heat from people like people in the media that I, I know. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't back down to them because I knew that Roger liked it. He thought it was funny. And so, um, and that, that, that back and forth might still be on his website, rogerebert.com. I had mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. Cause it's still, but, it's still going. Somebody's still doing reviews for that. Website. Oh yeah. They have a whole team. Yeah. And his, his, uh, his wife, Chaz runs that whole thing. 
Yeah. He, he, even at the end, you know, when he had his jaw taken out and he couldn't speak anymore and he had the, you know, he had one of those boards that, that spoke for, you know, you oh, yeah. Been, yeah. he was mm-hmm. still sharp. There was nothing wrong with his brain. His it faculties just, were there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the cancer just ate up his, his jaw. It was just terrible. Yeah. Really, really bad. Um, because the guy had so much to say. Yeah. And so there's a documentary about it called Life Itself. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. That's really good. Hardcore, man. That yeah. is hardcore. And so I got involved in some of the marketing for that film via Stephen Stanton, who's a voice actor. You know mm-hmm. who Stephen is? The name's mm-hmm. familiar. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I know Dan knows because Dan is uh rfr patreon <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and i follow steven on uh, instagram yeah well he's a great guy and so i got yeah. to know him and his crew um you know back when he made his star wars debut in the clone wars and stuff and so i got to know these guys that are in his orbit <laughs> and it's a real interesting uh gang and um one of them is an actor named rick fitz who has appeared in every TV show you ever saw in the eighties and nineties and stuff. I mean, just, you know, just working actor and shows up in every show, like from Seinfeld to star Trek, he's in all of it. And um, so I hung out with him at the Cannes film festival because Steven was doing the voice of Roger Ebert as the narrator of this documentary. Wow. He's a really wow. gifted voice mimic. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's known to Star Wars fans probably most famously as uh, Graham Off Tarkin in the animated series. But he's done all kind of voices for Star Wars. And um, so he does Roger Ebert and narrates the film as Roger Ebert, which is really crazy. Um, it, 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 people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that. And then they discover that he's a voice actor. So we went out to Cannes Film Fest, not Cannes. No, we did not fly overseas. <laughs> <laughs> we went to a Sundance Film Festival. Oh, Sundance. Sundance, yeah. yeah. And that was a, that was a trip itself. And uh, so there was a whole gang of us, and uh, my wife was there, and Stephen Stanton and his management team, and Rick, and um, some other friends of ours from the 501st and stuff. And um, we were out there, and I saw Life itself the very first time it was it premiered at uh, Sundance, and it was you know it, it really hit home for me because there was so much Chicago stuff going on there, and then Roger's story was was it was it was tough to swallow there. I mean, because mm-hmm. it they don't hold back, right? Oh, you know, they show everything in this. That's stuff. like here, you know, and and his wife, you know, you know, they showed how much she went through too. Oh God, going yeah. through it, you know. Yeah, yeah, she's a pretty tough woman chats and uh and so we got to go to um you know parties with her and the filmmaker steve james and um other people were at some of these after parties and stuff so we went to chicago obviously for the premiere of it here la for the premiere of it there Mm -hmm. and uh you know who was at that one was that dude do you guys watch walking dead oh yeah. yeah yeah okay 
All right. So it was the old dude. It was like second or third season. The old dude. He had the house like Maggie's father. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Great. Actor, and he kept yeah. the people in the, in the barn. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or his wife or something was in I the barn. I forget his name, but yeah, I got introduced to him there and he didn't look anything like he did on walking dead. He had a long white ponytail and he mm. was like wearing sandals. And stuff. He looked like a hippie, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, he was there. He was there at that screening. A bunch of people were there. I'm not good at celebrity sightings, you know. I have to be told who, who <laughs> yeah. the are, you know, and you know, unless it's I mean, like Harrison Ford could walk in and I you know, unless I knew he was gonna be there, you know. Well, you've yeah. met so many of them and you've had so many of them on the show. You just mentioned your friend and, and filmmaker Kyle Newman, who I know you just had on the show. And I didn't put it together until I realized because he's got a new film out called One Up. Yeah. Which Mike has a bunch of these one up pinball yeah, machines. Oh in yeah. His yeah. House. And I thought, oh geez, I need to tell Mike about that because he didn't he doesn't know. I don't think he knows about <laughs> Kyle or any yeah, of that. But. I don't think it's much of a connection between those games. No, no. I got the Star Wars one. Oh, you oh yeah. yeah. I figured yeah, you I, must. Yeah, right outside the store. Yeah. So um, how, you know, <laughs> with the collecting that you do, because I'm Mike and I are always Sickness. debating this. So he's a big physical media collector. Oh. As you can see behind him, that's, that's Jimmy, when I tell him. you like thousands and thousands of movies. Yes. And I keep saying, dude, you got to go digital. You got like... Where is that? You got to put all this stuff. You're running out of room. You're, you know, see the and problem I wonder, is the what problem is, that is like, yeah, I like the extras, you know, I listen the to the extras. commentaries yes. and stuff like that. And yeah, sometimes digitally, you only get a little piece yeah. of what's the but extras. The space. the space. I know it takes up this whole room. Is it, do you have like a wing in your house, Jimmy? Is it everywhere or see, you guys, guys, the cursed. <laughs> it's the cursed. <laughs> But uh, I don't like physical media. Um, I don't. I'm more digital. Um, I have lugged road cases of tapes, analog tapes, coast to coast. I am Mm -hmm. so just like exhausted from physical media. So I digitize everything. And um, but I got these sons. Okay, one is 23. One is 19. Mm. And. Oh, are they collectors? They got the collecting gene curse from me. And so they collect vinyl. My son comes home with VHS tapes. VHS. Uh, He has, yes. I mean, I had to move him. I had to move, like, because I have a sizable Star Wars collection. I had to move it all out of the room. I had it in for 20-something years. (laughs) Because my son Dylan's took it over a collection is just like it 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 was it it was making his room bulge at the seams and um and then all the vinyl i can't believe the vinyl is back okay yeah oh like you know the vinyl i have so much vinyl in my house (laughs) and um you know see i i kept replacing everything (laughs) So I don't have DVDs anymore. I used to have, it started with VHS and then LaserDisc. That's how they get you. And it just kept, you know, and then I traded up to Blu-ray and now it's 4K. 
So mm-hmm. I'm like about 5,000 deep now. Yeah. No, let's see. That's, I like that. That's a very focused bit of collecting there. I like just being able to have everything on this. Yeah, that's show. nice. This yeah, is what I like. Nice. All in my yeah. pocket and it goes yeah. where I go and I can tap into it whenever I want. And I just, my days of physical media are behind me. I yeah. retired from physical media and uh but yet i have more physical media coming into the house than ever before because <laughs> that's funny you know it's my own fault <laughs> it really is and i'm happy that they like the old stuff you know yeah, i'm sure I'm, I'm happy about that because well and your one son's a musician too right well that's yeah so the vinyl right oh the vinyl so much of it um we have these big ikea things with these cubby holes and it's just filled with packed with vinyl and um i have a crawl space that's filled with cds and reel-to-reel tapes and beta tapes i've beta i've got beta tapes yeah yeah sure i have a beta max player right there do you really that's all audio that's for audio though so i mean i can play play videos i mean but uh, that's i use it for audio for the longest time when I was at the at the loop, we used Betamax to archive the shows. So that's what we use. That was the format. Now, when it comes to production on Rebel Force Radio, is it just you? Is yes. it all you? Wow. Yes. That's all. Wow. How long does it take to, to you know, because Dan does all the technical stuff because uh, I can't. I don't know. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't grow up with it. You know, like I'm older than, you know, I didn't have a computer even through law school. Nobody had computers. We we wrote everything. So before a show, like while we were waiting for you, I have to call him on the phone to try to get into this. Jimmy, because I got having all sorts of trouble. He's and I, yelling I'm at screaming me. at him. Like you just yeah. copy and paste it into the browser. I'm and like, I started you, thinking, what browser? I wonder, what are you talking Jimmy, about? Jimmy, this must happen to you and Jason sometimes. There has to be a moment where you guys are just right or no. After 15 years, I would think. There's always something. <laughs> <laughs> and always am I right? Am I right in assuming? Sometimes I watch the show because I love listening and I like to watch on the YouTube channel too. Uh, there's sometimes I'm watching you and I'll think, because I, I get this in my head from producing this show. I think he's tuned into something with the sound right now or the video, like something's irritating Jimmy right now because he's, (laughs) he's hearing something or he's seeing something that's annoying him. Is that true? Do you get obsessed with it like that? I'm getting better. I'm getting better (laughs) at it. (laughs) Over the last few years, I've chilled more, I think, where I just let things bounce off of me. In the old days, it was so hard to get anything done that, um, you know, with technology and stuff. Yeah. That you just don't want to go back to that time. (laughs) And so when, (laughs) when, when occasional tech hiccups happen, I, you know, you just get that helpless feeling. But I'm getting better with it. I'm you getting- should see the abuse I get. Your chair. That's fair. You'll stop. Your chair is squeaking. 
That's yeah, what I, 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 I would, I would mention that. I would you can go, relate. Yeah, you can relate. Or, you know, somebody when they're talking and their nostrils are whistling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I you get, hear, I get you all hear. of that. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I get all of that. Happen before I say something, and then I look like a dick. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's these are the things you you have to put ego aside when it comes time for quality and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. Something that used to bother me a lot, especially in the old days uh, when we were audio only and I couldn't see what was going on. It was like Jason would be drinking a cocktail with the ice cubes in it or something. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> right. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? One time I said on the show, I'm like, all right, you know, we're going to do a movie commentary for like Empire Strikes Back or something. So I right. Said, All right, we got the popcorn. We're going to be here next week. We're going to be ready to go. And Jason heard me say the popcorn thing. And he took it very literally. <laughs> so through the whole show, he's talking with a mouthful of popcorn. I, I didn't. I didn't really notice it until I was listening to the playback afterwards. Huh. And I was hearing it in crystal clarity. It's a mouthful of popcorn. <laughs> you can't edit out those kernels. I mean, it's you're you're screwed at that point, right? And he got he got like theatrical with the popcorn too, where he would like you know take a bite of it, and go oh god, look, 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 look. <laughs> <laughs> to, to sell the whole experience of seeing a movie with us, you know mm-hmm. um, that. So I I got kind of prickly about that, and the the thing that drives everyone crazy is before we go live. Mm-hmm. There's a moments where we're talking before we go live. Mm-hmm. People start doing the show before the show has begun, you know? And yeah. so they'll be talking about things that I think we should be revealing in the show itself. So I always say, save it for the show. You know, I'll yeah. cut them up and I look like a, I just look like a dick every time I do it. Well, but, I mean, you know, you have to preserve, you have to preserve. And listen, it, it's two dicks here in this space, right, Mike? Because yeah. he calls me literally, Jimmy, I say that exact thing to him. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. What are yeah. you doing? Here's he calls me on his way home every day and we'll be talking and I'll say, oh, last night I saw this. Save it for the show. Yeah, but let oh, me just tell you this one. Save it for the show. That's that's all. It's an editor's mind. It's a producer's mind. That's just yes. It's the way it is. It's the way. Now you, you're years into this. We're only a couple of years into this. Yes. And we've what Mike wanted to quit 12, 15, 30 times, maybe. You well, know, you, mostly because quit, of our relationship. Quit. Yeah, yeah. You've I've quit, quit on you three times. I've quit on life a few times too. But <laughs> oh no, no. But no, we we. You know, I just was curious. Did you guys ever obsess over the numbers? Do you fall into that rabbit hole? I mean, a lot of podcasters, I think, slip into that where because it makes me think of something you guys have talked about on your show, which I think you coined this hashtag, just enjoy Star Wars. Yes. But, you know, have you ever found where you get consumed with that part of it? Like, we got to grow it. We got, you know, like the YouTube, your YouTube channel is growing and growing and growing. And I know you've been putting more effort into that, you know, but does it become a hindrance at some point to you? Um, you know, you, you, you don't. You just takes the fun away. You just do what you do, you know, you just, you, you, you put your head down and you just plow ahead. Yeah. And I find that. If you're consistent and you put out 
good quality stuff and you're reverent and you're reverent to the material and relevant, you know, you, 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 you stay with what's going on. You, you keep up with everything. Um, and you respect your audience, you know, I think th- then everything just kind of falls into place. Mm. Um, that's the most important thing is just, uh, I prioritize the listener first. So in those nights when, you know, maybe I had a heavy work day or something and I'm getting to the podcast late or whatever, it's easy just to say, well, I'm going to go watch TV and eat some Ben and Jerry's till I fall asleep and blow it off, you know, know. but I don't because people are, they always expect it. So I always try to meet those deadlines, those self-established deadlines and, and show respect to everyone who's, who's expecting the show at a certain time and and maintain that consistency. That's the stuff I obsess over, you know? Um, Also I get ideas like the creative stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, like, um, I don't want to think about it. I want to make it real. So I obsess over that, you know, where it's like, we, I have an idea for something we're going to do on the show and that might require some production work or whatever, some, some prep. Then I, I just, I obsess over that. Th- that's the type of stuff that pushes me is, is like getting ideas and making them become real mm-hmm. or I, I don't like to I don't like to think, <laughs> you know, I, I like just to, to, you know, have things hit me and then make them real and then move on to the next thing and just keep that cycle going nonstop forever and ever. And so that's kind of what's kept my head afloat. Have I ever sat back and said to myself, dude, what are you doing here? Why, why are we doing this? What is it? You know, of course you always do that, you know, especially after 16 years, every once in a while something will pop up, but I mean, it's never anything that has gotten in the way of anything. And, 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 uh, all right. One example was I was flying to Japan. Okay. For Star Wars Wars celebration, Japan, 2008. And I was flying out there and I'd been doing the podcast thing for a couple of years and I'm going out to this country and it's like 28 hours door to door or something. Yeah, it's a, it's a long trip. And, um, you know, on that flight, there were moments where I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> what What are you doing? Because I was really focused on a radio career at that time as well, you know. And there were times when I'd have to discipline myself to balance the Star Wars and the radio and make sure that the radio was the top priority. That has shifted over the years a great deal. But back in this time, I was still very much in the thick of a radio career. And uh, so it was it was difficult. You know, I think a lot of podcasters have to go through that because doing a regular podcast can become quite time consuming. And especially if you're doing pre-show prep, if you're booking guests, if you're editing a show, if you're doing video, if and now with us, we've been doing it so long, we have an archive to deal with and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it, it requires maintenance and you got to pay attention to things and stuff. And, and so the pendulum has shifted for me over time to where the podcast is a priority and having the podcast has given me the affordability to do other things too. So I'm not so locked down with a nine to five career as I was in the past, but I'm 
doing a podcast. I'm still working with Jonathan Brandmeyer. I'm still um, doing other radio things. I'm, I'm still producing commercials all the time. Um, so I do, you know, a lot of different things, but I can always get super hyper-focused on the podcast when, whenever I need to. And that's the best thing about it. And somewhere in there, you see Wendy and the kids. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I work from home. So it's pretty handy. Yeah. yeah. What is the, um, so what does that look like? The evolution of like Mike, I think was starting to ask like the turnaround. So you get an idea and then what does that look like behind the scenes between you and Jason until I hear it on the podcast, because it's just, you got, you do it every week and it's mm. always great. Oh, yeah. I, I mean it. It's always good. Yeah. He, hey, that's the other thing. I always try to put out something that I know is going to be something I want to spend my time listening to, you know, and I think that's really important too, um, is to put that kind of personal touch on it. You know, is this something I want to be listening to? And when the answer is yes, then it's a win, win, win. Mm-hmm. Um, I work fast. Uh, I've had to, um, for years I worked in morning radio and ideas come up on the fly and you got to make it real. And it, it really trained me to be, I, I was fast even for radio producers. I still am. I, you know, you could match me up with anyone. Um, so that's what I think has really benefited our, our cause, you know, yeah. um, Jason Swank himself, he's a natural talent. Um, that's all I can say about Jason. I mean, he's just, he's really good. I've worked with great radio announcers and presenters and show hosts and all that. And I put Swank up there with any of them. He's, he's really, really good. I I got very lucky in having a good, um, Zen to my Zang, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a great, it's a great batch. It really is. It doesn't, that doesn't get lost on us either. And we, we are like vastly different dudes, you know, um, yeah. in, in so many ways we are an odd couple, but, um, but we're, we're also best friends through all of this, this process and stuff. And I think we've really learned how to, uh, make our chemistry come across on the show and how to work within each other's realms it's it it we complement each other that's mm-hmm. so i mean you guys are brothers so that probably comes easy because the the only other guy that i could think of who gets on a mic who i we you know we complement each other pretty well is billy mac mm-hmm. and he's you know he's my brother and he doesn't really have any broadcast career you he, he's uh he was telling somebody last week um how i'm more extroverted than he <laughs> mm-hmm. um it, yeah and that was kind of funny um i don't think it's so much that because billy's in two rock bands you know i mean he puts himself out there but um i might be more of a risk taker than billy i i will say that i yeah. i will say that so um and, and i think that's important to take risks i i think it's important to trust your gut especially when you're doing creative things um you have an idea for something how can you make it the most effective well you know, trust your gut and, and run with it. And so I think that's, that's always important too. And they're not always home runs, you know, but, um, 
but good ideas are something that you really need to nurture all that. So that's, that's kind of my priority with all of that. I, I, I got off the beaten path with my answer, but no, no, it's amazing to think because I mean, just so blessed that there's been all this content to sort of continue. Like if, if it didn't exist, if tomorrow star Wars, God forbid, Yes. What is the podcast about? Is there a podcast? I mean, I know you had the Bond cast and, you know, some other. You did one with Wendy, right? You guys had the. Snide Remarks. Yeah, we did that for a long time. Snide Remarks, right? (laughs) Exactly. The Better Call Saul cast. Yeah, what would it be? Oh, um. (laughs) Okay, so if like Star Wars went away. I think think me and Swank could do like a general talk show where we talk about anything. Yeah. Anything and everything. Because of that chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Now it's more fun doing the Star Wars, um, in my opinion. I mean, our whole friendship was forged from that, but we've gotten to know each other so well over the years that, like, I, I know pretty much everything about the guy. I think, um, so uh, it, there's definitely it, it's it's more dimensional than just Star Wars. But and I think we could do a general talk show. Um, I, I really do, but. Uh, for now, we'll just, you know, we'll keep it fun and keep it Star Wars. And I, I, there was a period of time when George Lucas, it, Star Wars seemed kind of rudderless and George was losing interest right before he sold it. And it didn't seem like much was on the horizon for Star Wars. And from what we understand, George was kind of acting apathetic about it and just mm-hmm. you know, whatever and saying, now eh, when I when I'm dead, Star Wars is going with me and all. That stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so there, you know, there's times in the past. It's it's funny because some fans they have this um, love it hate it relationship all the way back to the despecialized. For I'm not you know they put in extra effects. I'm not watching that. <laughs> I have to have the originals. Oh yeah. And then I'm in a I'm in a chat. I wish you were with me. I was in a chat. I was just you know somebody in the chat room, and and it was a video game podcast. But for some reason they were talking about. Obi Wan mm. bashing the shit out of it. Yeah, and they they said, okay, put up a number of what you think it should be rated one to ten. And I started. I put up an eight, and it, and and I was hesitant. I said, you know, there's only four episodes so far. Mm. There's still more to come. Yeah, that's so. This yet. is an early man. They were bashing me. Ooh. They were like, you know eight how can you give it an eight for some reason they're hating on reva yeah you know uh moses i don't know what why do they not like her they just want to hate on her and i don't get it i was like (laughs) there she is yeah there she is well yeah with jar jar i mean it's not like yeah you go to jar jar i mean it's nothing new with the with certain segment of the fan base if that is even a segment of the, the fan base but yeah, sometimes right. you think it's just, is it just trolls? It's just, just to stir up stuff. Yeah, I, just, hate, I was shocked because they're doing know? the whole show on it. But it was a very negative. Sh- I'm surprised I hung in as long as I did. Uh, well, because- you know, there, there were, I mean, th- th- there's flaws with her character. There's no doubt about it. I can't wrap my head around anything having to do with her character. But <laughs> not going to just like completely derail the show for me. And, and people are like that. They're so judgmental. You know, they, they throw down um, uh, entire diatribes condemning the entire show. And I, right. I, exactly. You do that when you, you know, when there's scenes with, 
Ewan McGregor, who's a great actor, um, bringing back this role to life. You know, I've always liked the prequels. So, you know, I, I had to to ne- negotiate my way through rough waters during the prequel era. I did negotiate my r- way through rough waters with the Han shop first era. And I have my own feelings about that as well. But heck, I even remember when like, you know, the Ewoks were the teddy bears and <laughs> right. wrapping all over return of the Jedi. You know, oh, it's the, the, the star Wars has really run out of steam here at the end. You know, people would say about return of the Jedi and, um, you know, doing the, bringing back the death star and all of this was George Lucas running out of ideas. Even before that empire strikes back, Yoda's on the screen. People were saying, Oh, look, it's, it's, uh, it's Grover. It's, it's, (laughs) It's it's you know, the Muppet show, you know, I mean, people were, they they were poking fun of it. Then nowadays people talk about Yoda with great reverence and stuff. Um, So, you know, taste change and stuff. And I've noticed people shifting um, their, um, to a more nostalgic edge when it comes to looking back at the prequels, you know, yeah. I don't hear too much George Lucas rape my childhood anymore. You hear a lot of people saying my childhood was the prequel. Right. Right. So I love star Wars. That's why I went and watched the original trilogy and read all the books and all the comic books. It's because I, it was the prequels set me down that road. This is a whole generation of kids are now in their 30s and they have disposable incomes and they're raising their own families and they Mm -hmm. look back with nostalgia at the prequel trilogy and so tastes have have changed things have shifted but nowadays what we're dealing with is this echo chamber internet echo chamber we all got the microphone we all got the social media accounts we all got the youtube channels and everything else and so we're all just like barfing out all of our opinions all over the place. Plus we know about exactly how the sausage is getting made a lot of the times. And we interact with some of these creatives and actors via social media and all that. So like the, the whole thing is changed into this, you know, people, they hear others say things and then that becomes like gospel and then they repeat it and then they put a spin on it that you know takes it up to the next level and and all this and nobody's just like enjoying star wars anymore yeah that's why i say just enjoy it i mean it it, it, listen nobody has to say it's perfect we're not saying it's right storytelling and stuff and i mean this is a thing for Star Wars to even still be around at this time, it's it, it's insane. Right. When I think back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, and I can think back that long ago, and I remember what it was like, and I remember when it was all coming to an end with Return of the Jedi, and people were saying then yeah. that Star Wars had run out of steam, and here we are, you know. There's been two additional trilogies. There's been two additional films. There's been all of these streaming series and animated series, books and comics. The the whole mythology has grown into this big giant thing, and it's going to be impossible to keep creating a film out of this, this content that's going to be ranked up there with the all-time greats, like the original Star Wars was. Mm-hmm. People talk about that film being an all-time classic in the same breath as, as films like The Wizard of Oz and Citizen Kane mm-hmm. and The mm-hmm. Falcon and Jaws and, and The Godfather and all of them. I mean, those are the films, you know. Yeah. Well, how many times are you going to catch that lightning in a bottle? It's impossible. Star Wars has become this whole thing. And so what 
bothers me about the approach that a lot of the creatives are taking with Star Wars nowadays is they think to be authentic, you have to go back to George Lucas's inspirations. You have to go back to the Kurosawa films. You have to go back to the Westerns. You have to go back to this and that and whatever, because George Lucas um, inspired by that. But no, that's not the approach to be taking. They need to be going back to Star Wars and building off that because that's the foundation. To go back to the things that inspired George Lucas is almost like trying to reinvent the wheel. The wheel has already been invented. So we need to build cool cars and vehicles to make those wheels move. Mm -hmm. And so the foundation is Star Wars. And they should always be looking at that foundation and not ignoring it. Because a lot of times it gets ignored. People go, oh, well, I I saw the Hidden Fortress. Now I know how to make Star Wars. No, 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 you don't, (laughs) because that's just one ingredient in the whole thing. And, and, and so you got to look at, at the end result. And so that's where I think things are going, um, a little askew, um, but it still doesn't diminish my enjoyment at being thrown back into that universe for new events, new situations. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't like the rise of Skywalker, but and per Palpatine's back in it. What you know? That's great. <laughs> What's right, right? You know, I mean, they're without being judgmental, without being super critical, and just enjoying the times you get to go back into that universe. And then you know, if if it strikes you, the storytelling affects you in a way that might be reminiscent to how the storytelling affected audiences in the seventies and eighties with the original trilogy. If they strike that nerve, then more power to them. But I mean, realistically thinking the odds are always going to be against these guys. Mm-hmm. You just need to lock in and, and, and find the foundation of star Wars and focus on that more than anything. And I think they will be successful. And do you think they can find that again in the films? I mean, you know, Favreau and Filoni, obviously. I mean, I was like you. I was in tears when they brought Luke back. You know, I, Return of the Jedi was the first, like Jason, I think, first one I saw in the theater. And so that was just, it, you know, it really connected with all that nostalgia. But are you still optimistic about the future of Star Wars films? How they don't have a Mandalorian film in production right now still yeah, just crazy. blows my mind. Yeah. Um, it's like they paint themselves into a corner over there. Well, can't touch the Mandalorian because that's the anchor of the streaming. Right. The streaming channel, you know, and that's our top priority now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, um, yeah, but what about the audience's top priority? See, again, they're forgetting who the top priority is, and that's what goes takes me back to podcast production is that always the audience is my top priority and I want to give them what they want. I'm not saying let the inmates run the prison or anything, but you know, keep them your top priority. And Disney is not doing that right now. I I, I think um, because star Wars is a cinematic franchise. Mm -hmm. And so now it's been boiled down to this television franchise. And I think that, People are having a hard time accepting that because we're used to seeing Star Wars on the big screen setting new standards for filmmaking. Mm -hmm. 
But again, that's a lightning in the bottle kind of situation. I just think that to pull themselves out of movie theaters altogether, like they've done. Yeah. And, and show, you know, publicly displaying very little focus on where the film franchise can go by saying, well, the streaming is the priority, but the streaming isn't, that's not star Wars. That's not the cinematic franchise. That's like, uh, you know, you've been to galaxy's edge. Yes. Danny, Danny lives like 20 minutes away. I think. Yeah. Just going to mention that. We're really, what disappoints me is that, you know, they don't have the characters and it's not interactive. Like they claimed it was going, going to be, they built a couple of rides and that's great. But I think, you know, I watched these TV series, the streaming stuff, and it seems like Favreau and Filoni got their finger on the pulse and they know what to bring in new. Like when they brought in Jabba the Hutt's twins, and why don't they have that? I'd love to see that come around the corner in galaxy's edge and be, you know what I mean? Well, that's why Mike and I have have railed on that a few times on the show, because with Chapek at the helm, and I think I heard they've just re-upped his contract. They did for three more years. You know, I'm here in Orlando. And so uh, the park experience has suffered so tremendously and something like galaxy's edge. It's like, they're so resistant to infusing, some of the rest of the IP in there when that's what, as you said, appreciate the listener, appreciate the fan. That's what we want. Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they want to reinvent the wheel. It's so yeah. frustrating. It's, it's just such a swing and a miss. Yeah. All right. So we don't want to keep you all night, but I do want to ask you aside from star Wars, because we talked about star Wars more than I thought we would to be. I said that he talks about that all the time. He's not going <laughs> to want to talk about Wars, but there's a reason I talk about it all the time. But what are <laughs> you talking about it <laughs> when you <laughs> when you're not watching Star Wars? What are some of your other um, things that you're watching? Like, are you into some of the streaming series and things that are out now? No, I, okay. I don't watch. I do not watch wow, okay. any television, and it's that's been the case for the better part of the last ten or twelve years. I just wow. don't watch tv okay. how about with films like what are your top five films yeah what's the top five outside of star wars we'll we'll yeah. okay. you know, leave star wars out of it all right yeah. well it's always impossible but um <laughs> i like pulp fiction okay the original jaws it's right there there you go godfather nice. of course um I like Gladiator a lot. Good. I think that's a great movie. I yeah. love Gladiator. Um, how many did I give you? Is that five or does Indiana Jones count? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tend to watch Indiana Jones yeah. whenever that's on. All uh, solid films. Yeah, yeah. But like for television, though, I, I don't watch like series. You know, um, no. I watch. I do watch. Every Chicago White Sox game, I watch every Chicago Blackhawks game. I watch the Bulls when they're good, which means right. I haven't been watching them much lately. Uh, they were okay last year. Um, the Celtics are coming back, which has been a nice, <laughs> it's been a long time. Um, I, uh, what else? I watch reruns of The Office, I watch reruns of Seinfeld. I have been through periods where I'm like a broadcast news junkie. 
Mm-hmm. But over the last year and a half, I've like forced myself not to watch that stuff. Yeah. For um, good reason. I, I just feel like it's so manipulative and stuff. Yeah, some of I it. I don't want to drink their Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, some of it is is shot so much more cinematic now. You know, like I don't feel like I'm watching a series more like I'm watching a bunch of short little movies. Mm-hmm. You know, other than that, though, I'm like you. I watch a lot of the older stuff. So, so also, um, what do I watch on TV? Oh, you and if, watch- if you're a sports fan, yeah, there's sp- not much more time in the day. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's just it. That's just it. And plus, you know, sometimes the sports, you can have it on and, and be doing other things, too. Right. Um, which I like. Um Guilty pleasure. I have a summertime guilty pleasure, and I've been watching the show with my family for like twenty years. I know what it is, Jimmy. I know what it is. Uh, I'll, I'll say it. It's uh, Big Brother on CBS. Yes, <laughs> yes. He used to watch that. I had I it. Say, I had it in my show notes. I was going to ask you about that. Because what are you watching that? I've seen every. I fell off the big brother train a couple seasons back, but I was there from day one, episode one. Yeah. Going way, way back. Um, and when I heard that on the show, not that long ago, you mentioned it's like, Oh my God, he watches big brother. I couldn't believe it. It's the the worst. I, I you know, every, every year I, I say multiple times, I'm like, I can't believe I watch this show. It's incredibly <laughs> um, terrible, but it's, it's fun to watch with my family. And yeah, you know, it all came out of the, survivor when survivors first season happened that was a big deal you know Maribel yeah survivor was so much fun mm-hmm. and so big brother was in that wave of the reality shows that came on in the wake of that i think it was on in the uk for a while before it came to the states but um yeah we watched it in like just like oh, poked fun at it a lot of times but then it was like every time like it would roll around in the summertime we'd be watching a stupid show and um <laughs> with, with the house guests and the zingbot and all this stupid <laughs> and, I, I mean i just I can't believe i watch it and um it, it, it just is like a summertime thing. It's just fun in the summer to, you know, go back in that house with all these idiots and learn about <laughs> stupid personalities and who they are and all this stuff. And well, remember, Jimmy, while, when you said you don't want to think, that's a perfect yeah, show. Yeah, sometimes you, you just want to shut your brain off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and this, this season think. is shaping up to be a good one, too. So I'll have um, to catch back up then with that <laughs> endorsement. That's a good <laughs> oh, one from Jimmy God. Mack. That's a good so endorsement. Curious. Listen, I, we could talk to you all night long, but I do appreciate you being on here with my big brother for a little while, at least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, well, you guys are uh, great. You guys are. I, I love this show. I got to tell you, Jimmy. I mean, honestly, it's such a, I said to Mike, we could wrap it up after this conversation. I'd be good because you really do for me set the template. I admire so much what you do. And uh, I listen to the show constantly. It's to the point where, you may have had this experience being in broadcasting for so many years, but I remember listening to Larry King on the radio when I was a young kid. And there was something about it that was comforting to me to listen to. And it's like that with rebel force radio. I listen to, sometimes it's my white noise. I just put it on and I listen to it. Um, but it's, it's so entertaining. It's such high quality. Um, 
and you know it's 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 inspiring as as a couple of chuckleheads that are trying to do a <laughs> a podcast too like every other person in in the world but um so yeah just appreciate what you do for not only fan, the fans of Star Wars but like i said you know couple couple of guys here that are just trying to figure it out you know two years in and you guys are doing it the right way you're having fun and yeah. uh, you're keeping it real and uh and you're just you know being yourselves throwing yourselves out there you know it's it's you take a risk doing this kind of thing and you what do you know. do we got an episode coming out this week rfr yeah 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 okay. we, we had we had an episode planned we had to scrap it though because uh one of our guests had to bail so ah. Uh, gotcha. It'll probably be, um, you know, just me and Jason this week. Probably, probably getting caught up on things that we push back, you know, each and every week. It seems like we we have more things to do on the show than we have time for, and we try to keep the show at two hours. Yeah, but um, it doesn't always happen that way, and mm. and so that's another thing is don't put rules on yourself as a podcaster either because there's no rules and that's the best thing about it is that it's free form it's growing evolving you know it, it just is like a beast of its own so we try to keep it to two hours and we're happy when we can but well that's another testament though is because I consume those episodes you do two hours, whatever. I'm like, oh man, I, another thirty minutes would be great. You know. Oh, thanks. You know, it's it's almost like built to be listened to in shifts. You know, um, yeah, in pieces, and because um, it's like it's segmented the show, and, mm-hmm. and so it's sort of designed to to be listened to over multiple periods, uh, keep you busy throughout the week. Um, sometimes I think to myself, well, wouldn't it just make sense to put out like three shows as opposed to one just big one? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's, uh, there's no rules and that's just the way we've always done it. So, uh, keep it kind of natural and stuff. So yeah, I'm a big music, I, I, I listen to a lot of music too. That's something that takes up a, a lot of my time. It probably keeps me from watching more TV and stuff, but, um, I like uh like jam bands and improvisational music and there's no rules there. It's yeah. wherever the wherever the song takes them, you know. Um let the music play the band, that kind of thing. Uh that's sort of how I look at the podcast too. So were you a deadhead? Yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am a deadhead. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I got over here. I got uh, this was a gift from Swank. It's a little oh, no way. Oh, nice. <laughs> Jerry Garcia. That's, That's great. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. So, yeah, I saw Jerry live probably 25 times back in wow. the days. So. Did you really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, thank you, Jimmy. Um, give our best to Jason, by the yeah. way. Well, I will. It was a and, pleasure. Uh, and Billy Mac and, and Puppet Lando. At, at, Puppet well. Lando. Yeah. Yeah. You know. We need some zero the hut on the on the episode this week. <laughs> oh, this week, yeah, let's get some zero the hut. It's a little, it's a little late in the plan. It's, yeah, it's, there's there's a lot of contracts involved with him. A lot of negotiation <laughs> to get zero. He's very high maintenance. But, uh, I'll I'll check. I'll check with his people. Thanks <laughs> for being thanks for being so generous with your time. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy, Dan, and Mike. You guys are great. You guys got a fun show here. And yeah, uh, well, we, we really love you guys. Happy. I'll be listening this week, so I'll be I'll be looking forward to my next episode. Thank you very much, Dan. Rebel it's Force Radio, Jimmy Mack, live in the flesh. Thanks so much. Good to see you. Thanks. Take care. All right, Bye, you Jimmy. too. Bye.
Bye. All right, folks. Jimmy Mack, Rebel Force Radio. I've been your host, Dan Smith. For Oh Brother. For Oh Brother Podcast. Alongside me, as always, of course, is my brother from the same mother, Mike Smith. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. I'm going to get my hair cut before the next episode. Would you? Yeah. yeah, and I think Jimmy's combing his hair right now. So. <laughs> you guys both need a, a, a hairdo, a hair makeover. I need a flowy. <laughs> just do it myself. A vacuum cleaner that cuts yeah, your hair. Exactly. Yeah. All right, that'll be next. Uh, the old brother infomercial. <laughs> Good night, folks. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Cindy Busby, and you're listening to the O Brother Podcast. <laughs>